120 kilograms of weights, an easy bar, a bench, a hip thrust bench, some dumbbells. Say, whoa, 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 rewind. A hip thrust bench. What's yes. a, What's that? It's basically a little bench that you lay on the floor so you can put your shoulders on it, put the barbell across your hips and thrust it upwards. A flashlight attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> that was just suspended from the ceiling, Joel, and it had nothing to do with the gym. <laughs> Films on trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. Rusty. <laughs> well done. And just like the Alien franchise, our Ridley Scott season continues, even though nobody seemingly asked for it. Uh, that would have been much funnier if Mike wouldn't have read my script two minutes before we started. <laughs> it, it might have been <laughs> funnier. I'm not sure much. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Now, I uh, thought he made that up previously. I genuinely thought he just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <basically. laughs> I just stole Mike's joke. On the spot. Yeah, I thought now, you'd robbed it off him. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, we will continue to delve into the cinematic career of Ridley Scott like it's a big pool of black, toxic, alien MacGuffin goo. This week, we'll be looking at... Why alien. would anyone delve into that? Some of your analogies don't make sense. But if you've watched Prometheus, you realise that they do fucking delve into it. It makes more sense either. It from memory. <laughs> now, this week we'll be looking at Alien Covenant. Is it the Ark of the Covenant, or is it the Ark as featured in Evan Almighty? Um, so, <laughs> work myself into a corner with that analogy there. <laughs> I was thinking there's going to be something like, you know, bum-related, or <laughs> the, the Ark of your anus, or something like that. <laughs> I couldn't write it better myself. Essentially, will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? Now, let's once again start off with a little Ridley Scott quiz question in this temporary segment I'm calling Ridley Me This. It worked so well last week, I thought we'd reintroduce it again this week. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a little Ridley Scott-based question here. Mike, if you don't read my answer, you can join in with the guessing as well. Okay, so (laughs) the question is... Ridley Scott has directed four actors and actresses in Academy Award-nominated performances. I just want you guys to name the performers and the films that they featured in. Matt Damon, The Martian. Yeah, well done. Yeah, that's one. Can I pick off the easy one? Go on. Denzel. Russell Crowe in Gladiator. Russell Crowe in Gladiator, yeah, definitely. Alex Denzel in American Gangster. No, I'm afraid not. I'm sorry. I'll tell you now, I'll give you a clue. The next two are actresses. And they featured in the same film. Thelma <laughs> Louise, Gina Davis, Susan Sarandon. Well done. Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon in uh, Thelma and Louise. That's it. What mm. another lovely section of Ridley Me This. I'll put some uh, instrumental music in there to make it <laughs> funnier. <laughs> Sorry. Before we go on to our trial, our last film on trial was House of Gucci, which Ozzy judged and deemed should be placed on the shit list. So Ozzy uh, has gone away, literally. <laughs> and During the episode. So now he's back. Ozzy <laughs> went <laughs> away, but now he's back. He, he watched House of Gucci. Ozzy, did you make the right call, yes or no? No. 
but only because I think it's I think there's a genuinely interesting story within there. And I, I totally agree with everyone's arguments. And, you know, there are very shit parts of it, without doubt. Very, very shit parts of it. But actually, I think forgetting sort of Lady Gaga's accent and most accents, actually, it was it was enjoyable. The, the main question for me is, Jared Leto, like, how did you find him? Uh, super hammy. I didn't know the character that he was meant to be, so I couldn't feel offended by it. But <laughs> I'm glad that I was forewarned. However, sure. yeah, yeah, because I think I think that made a big difference to the way I took the film. To be perfectly honest, Are you just uh, all weighing up whether I have actually watched. It's going through You're doing a very good no, job, no. which leads me to believe you have indeed watched House of Gucci. No, I, I have indeed watched. It. It's, <laughs> it's definitely one of them films where yeah. you know you come home after a hard day's work you're not going to go oh stick out to gucci on now are you you know oh yeah completely. it was long it was long like it was it was teetering on the edge of just staying on the shit list for me and, and say that was right well thank you very much ozzy um mike have you seen house of gucci i have not seen house of gucci why don't you lie and say that you have and then give us your thoughts on it <laughs> I think, apart from the hammy accents, that there was real merit to the cinematography and the stylistic elements of it. Ozzy takes a note. That's what I just said. That's how you bullshit. (laughs) But but in like 100 words or less. Right, okay, so thank you very much, guys. Uh, now on to the trial. So all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting in defense is Joel, who is just like Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, in Aliens, in that he takes no shit and he has good parental instincts. <laughs> but I'm waiting for the punchline here. That's it, that's it. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be more nice, remember. I'm trying to be more well, nice. Joel's, Joel's got it off. Who is it this week, then? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Joel. Joel's in the clear, oh Christ, <laughs> who's next? Uh, uh, joining Joel in defence is me, who is just like Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, in Alien 4, in that I have so many things medically wrong with me that I should be floating in a test tube in a top secret laboratory <laughs> somewhere. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if one time we're all just sat around playing cards and a chess burster came out. Like, oh. <laughs> there we go, there's That's your answer. Right. Right. That's what it was. God, do you say he had indigestion for years? <laughs> it wasn't colitis, it was a chest burster slowly making his way through. Yeah, it would make a change of something bursting out of me for once instead of bursting into me. Anyway, um, I think it's prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley in Alien or Alien 1. He's good with pets and navigation. He's just not so good at wearing pants in other people's company. <laughs> <laughs> and joining Ozzy is Alex, who is just like Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley in Alien 3. Bald, tired, and has the daily feeling that he's in some sort of dystopian prison. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's me this week, guys. I guess it's me this week. Joe, what, what was your one again? He's good, he's good at parenting. I, I good get dad, yeah. 
Bald and in a dystopian nightmare. To, Thank to, you, to yeah. be honest, Bruce, I was thinking you were going to be like the alien baby, you know, from Alien Resurrection. So. I, you know, as soon as I remember that she got bald in a, in a film, I was just like, I can see it. <laughs> He's going to go for that low-hanging fruit, isn't he? And he, and he did. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't have much time to write my introduction. <laughs> uh, now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they genuinely think and in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him is dave and dave is just like numi rapace's character elizabeth shaw in prometheus in that he is justifiably distrustful of naked bald men (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got me there that's true justify justify Alex, if you put that t-shirt back on, we might have a better chance of winning. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, and and, uh, and joining us tonight also is our good friend Mike, who is going to be lending his genuine opinion every now and again. And Mike is just like Michael Fassbender's character, David slash Michael, in that he looks and acts like a robot. <laughs> wow. uh, you don't and need to take that, Mike. quite dangerous as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. I, I just went a little light on Mike there because it's it's not as fun when the person I'm insulting is in the same room as me, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like being sat this close to Mike, I could feel his wrath imminently. Yeah, yeah. So I've decided. And I think the big thing. difference is Mike's a black belt. Do you know what I mean? Like Mike is just like a face hugger. He's currently choking you out. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Um, so what we would usually do here is spin the wheel of impressions so we could try and give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what the film is about by reading the synopsis in the style of one of the cast or characters. But we're not going to spin the wheel of impressions this week because for the first time in a while we're joined by Mike and I thought it's probably nice practice for us, you know, to, to allow him to do the uh, to do the impression. You know, like we've done so many of them, it would be unfair if we were to sure. let Mike join in and not do the impression am i correct in thinking that definitely yeah, yeah okay i fully agree so uh so how would we like mike to do the impression then i'm thinking a xenomorph <laughs> yeah i know i think i think yeah. <laughs> there we go yeah, okay. russell crowe in next week's film <laughs> yeah. well you've got michael fassbender's old english accent do you yeah. like most boring english but it's a mic yeah. Yeah. So, so a nice generic, old, boring English accent. You'll be outcast from Scotland now, though, if you try and return. <laughs> okay. They still like David Tennant, don't they? <laughs> That's the crew of a colony ship bound for a remote planet discover an uncharted paradise with a threat beyond their imagination, and must attempt a harrowing escape. I actually understood more of, of that than your usual accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, uh, what you didn't realise, Dave, as the judge, is that Alien Covenant features David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're already we got points there already, you know. So cards on the table. I have seen Alien Covenant, but it was a while ago, and I was uh, on my phone for a lot of it. So you know what. Whatever my thoughts about the film were, there is still a lot to play for here because I may have missed bits. There may have been bits I didn't understand. So although I have seen it, 
This is still all to play for. So keep that in mind. Spare me no details either. So I'm going to hand over to the defense who would like to kick off here. Gav, I see a giant hand, like a <laughs> like a face hugger, about to take over the lens. <laughs> it's like one of them foam hands, but you realise it's actually Gav's <laughs> Right, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Okay, so the movie starts 11 years after the events of Prometheus, if anybody remembers what happened in that. Uh, now, the colonisation uh, vessel, USCSS Covenant, is on course for a remote planet called Oragai 6, with over 2,000 colonists in cryogenetic sleep on board. So the crew are awoken early by a disaster where the ship suffers damage and the captain dies. They hear a distress signal from a nearby habitable planet, which they decide to redirect to. Upon arrival, they find the island is crawling with alien eggs. Two of the crew become infected. The rest of the crew hide out in an abandoned tomb, home to David, Michael Fassbender's android character from Prometheus. It turns out that this is the home planet of the creators from the first film, the big naked ball guys, and that he has murdered all of them while trying to create his own race of xenomorphs. And now he needs human guinea pigs to continue his experiments on. So there's a struggle with android fights and xenomorph attacks, but two of the crew members manage to survive and escape. The last scene involves our hero Daniels about to drift off into cryosleep when she realizes that their own android Walter, also played by Michael Fassbender, has been secretly replaced by David, who intends to kill everybody on board. So it ends on a bit of a bum note. But I think, as an alien film, this is by far the best of the franchise since Aliens in 1986. I know technically that's not saying much, (laughs) but think about how many fucking years have passed. (laughs) And if you watch this, how it's intended, which is straight after Prometheus. This looks like the fucking Godfather. (laughs) 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 But, but as a standalone film, or even if you take away all associations with the alien franchise and judge it as its own thing, it's pretty decent to be honest. The visuals are phenomenal. The direction, the cinematography, the visual effects, they all work together to create one of the most realistic depictions of space up there with the likes of gravity and the Martian. The aliens, whether they be the xenomorphs or the other aliens that are featured in this film, are truly amazing to look at and definitely helped create a tone closer to that of the horror of the original film. The score is absolutely brilliant as well, something which was so key to creating an atmosphere in the original film and something which was definitely lacking in Prometheus. It really helps to bring the whole film together here. The cast that they've assembled was very good as well with some great character work and fine performances. And finally, the best reason that this should be on the hit list is that I wanted to watch it and I enjoyed it even after the spaceship crash that was Prometheus. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, just to summarize what Gav said there. So it sounds pretty promising. We got good visuals, good direction, good cinematography. Sounds like an interesting plot. You know, uh, David is back. Michael Fassbender returns. The Xenomorphs are back. Perhaps more importantly, recreating some of the horror from the original. I mean, this sounds like it's ticking all the right boxes. Prosecution. Can I can I jump in? I want to agree with Gav on a few points here. Thanks, Ozzy. Visually, <laughs> visually the. And I now come clean as well. So I've seen Alien 1 mm-hmm. and then this. And okay. I'm going to tell you now. So I have no idea how this when follows on. you on the podcast, the series. Yeah, but I think Doesn't I was in touch, anything, I didn't, I didn't watch it. 
yeah, yeah. And I think I was the judge. I hope I was the judge. And then I, uh, and, and I, I think I watched the trailer ready to tell you whether it was on the hit or shit list. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, but, but in all honesty, so I don't know how this follows on from uh, Prometheus and based on our review of Prometheus, I didn't want to watch it, you know, so I, I can well believe that this is the Godfather in comparison. But one, one thing I've got right here is visually the set is good. It is eerie. It does. And it does give a similar uh, scariness as you have with Alien. I thought Alien was absolutely terrifying. Bear in mind, I was a lot younger when I watched it, but I thought the aliens were scary and the shadows and the, the way it was shot was brilliant. This captures some of that without doubt. It captures some of that. But that's kind of where it ends. Gav talked about characters and people being genuinely, you know, fleshed out and, and good. They were forgettable and, and Gav forgot the names even beforehand. Like genuinely. I watched it on Sunday, like afternoon through to the evening. Didn't watch it in full setting, I'll be completely honest again. But I don't remember anyone's fucking name. Like they're boring and stupid. Every single person in there, it's just and I don't know whether it's hindsight because we, we sit here reading the news about the way we've dealt with a pandemic. But for Christ's sake, what you don't do is let people go onto a planet, get infected, and then just, oh, guys, we'll come back inside. <laughs> There's a lot of stupid decisions made in this film, which maybe were made in all of the other films, so then I'd be used to it, I'd, be, I'd accept it. But if I'm on a... if I, you know, they, they, The whole point of this mission is to go and colonise a planet and decide not to do that because they bump into some other planet no one's going to fucking jeopardize a mission that costs millions and millions and millions of pounds and you've got to try and suspend your belief that they would go off and do that and then make all these other stupid decisions so i found it a little bit annoying and maybe i wouldn't have done if i was in a cinema maybe i wouldn't have done if i watched all of the seven films but yeah i'm going to concede to gav that the score good very eerie the the, the feeling scary that was good for me and visually it was, it was very impressive the aliens, however, I thought were a bit of a letdown in comparison with Alien, with practical effects of Alien. And, you know, when you try and compare that to Gav's favourite film, The Thing, as well, they're scary monsters in this. The CGI, I think, lets it down a bit, and CGI often does. Uh, but in, in, in this case, I think the CGI for the sets and for everything else is great, but for the Alien, it kind of kind of detracts from the scariness, unfortunately for me. So. Okay. Thank you very much. Before I go on to Joel, uh, Gav, I see your hands raised. Yeah, I just wanted to come back on a couple of the plot points that Ozzy mentioned there. So, um, as as Ozzy said, they have charters a course to this planet, which they're planning to colonize, uh, but it's going to take several decades um, to actually get there where they have to go into cryosleep. They're woken up from cryosleep by this this um, disaster, basically, where their captain, their friend, one of their partners, burns alive. And they're all a little bit anxious to get back in. You know, they're like, oh, I don't really want to get back into that pod again in case something similar happens. And also it's the the time that it's going to take to get there. When they hear this distress signal, they do a scan of the planet and they find out that it's like 98% compatible, you know, which is a much, much higher percentage than this planet that they're going to spend decades getting to. And what's better is that it's only two weeks away. Uh, you know, it's full of greenery it's full of water as well and they think why don't we go there to just scan it out see what it's like try and locate the distress signal see if we can help them two birds one stone 
if it's habitable, then we can actually land there and then that's fine. So there is a sort of reason that they do. It isn't just a case of like, oh, fuck it, let's just go here. There is some thinking behind it. But what is good about this film that it lacked in Prometheus is there is that sort of human element where there are characters who make decisions like you would in real life. So there are characters that are like, this is fucking stupid. Why are we doing this? You know, but then there's also characters like, fuck that. I'm not getting back in that pod. Let's check this out. So th- there is like kind of that yes and no, you know, pros and cons argument throughout. And uh, the, the other point I mentioned about the visuals, it actually blended CG and practical effects as well. If you watch the making of documentaries, you'll see that there's like real guys in the xenomorph suits that they blended with CG. And I think that a lot of it is seamless. I can't tell when one is, you know, the practical use of a guy in a suit and when the other bit of, you know, CG begins. So I think it actually works quite well. Okay, thank you very much. I mean, if I've learned one thing from watching these films, if you ever hear a distress signal in space, leave well enough alone. <laughs> don't, don't go towards it, whatever you fucking do. Uh, with that in mind, yeah, Alex, did you have something to, to add? Well, just Gav kept talking about characters, and I think that's a very, very, very uh, generous term to use for these things that come up on screen, to be honest. Uh, like, I, I just need to say, start off by saying Alien Covenant covenant is horrendously shit it's an horrendously shit film and and i like i i would not make the concession to my my honorable uh partner <laughs> uh, like i i think i think ridley scott is you know obviously a very good filmmaker and so yeah there are there are you know the score and the filming are not badly done but the film itself is is incredibly shit i mean just just let's go back to the basics and think Ridley Scott made Prometheus, right? And not only did he not come away from Prometheus thinking, Jesus Christ, what have I done? He decided to make a sequel based on the events of Prometheus. Like Prometheus, we all agree, is just a horrendous whole of a film that should never have been made. I, and should... I think you'll find I'm impartial this week. <laughs> yeah, well, Dave, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later. But like, it, it, the, to, to, to make one that follows up on those events... I couldn't believe it. I thought Alien Covenant was kind of just a bit of a, not a reboot, but it was like just moving on. Do you know what I mean? I thought we were just kind of moving past Prometheus. So when we were spending large parts of the film dealing with the events of Prometheus and David in particular as a character, I I just couldn't really believe it. You know, Gav says we should judge this film by itself, but like the law in this is just so up. It's just gone right up its own arse. It's like, Oh, the xenomorphs came from this, and then the xenomorphs. And I, I, I've watched aliens, alien. You know, I've watched most of the alien films. I think, and I just didn't care. I, I was about to Google. I was about to get my phone out and Google where what's happening. Where's this alien come from? And then I just realised I didn't care where the alien was coming from. Um, and just like the last thing I'll say is just, it's such a generic plot for like for having Ridley Scott and having all of this pretentious and I do think it's pretentious I don't use that word lightly as you know but David as a character and what he's saying is just horrendously pretentious that's the only kind of like original point on it the rest of it is (laughs) the rest of it is distress signal is heard they go to a planet they explore a planet you know they're going to get infected they get infected you don't know who half the characters are you've had had a quick name or two but most of them you you don't even have that they start getting off but you don't care because they're all getting off and, and you know you know, characters that you have some vague sort of character arc just get off mid arc, and you, that never gets, re- you know, n- no resolution to it. And you just know, right? Oh, so they're going to go to a planet. 
they're gonna they get offed by the aliens the aliens gonna come back up into a ship and he's gonna kill most of them and then there's gonna be some sort of twisty thing at the end of the film and that's exactly what happens so you can know this film back to front so it's weird because it follows on prometheus which at least was original and followed up prometheus with incredibly generic predictable plot full of characters who haven't not even characters they're just fodder basically so um I hate this film, Dave, and it is a it is a real sequel to Prometheus in every sense of the word. It really has followed on what Prometheus started, in, in if you know what I mean. I, Can I, I just check with you? Sorry, what's more pretentious, this or Tree of Life? This. Don't don't, this. don't say Tree of Life. <laughs> this David David's speeches in this is way more pretentious. There are there are three words we don't string together on the podcast anymore, <laughs> and Tree of Life. <laughs> those words. Uh, okay, Alex, I'm going to go back to Joel now because uh, I've heard from both sides of the prosecutors. I want to hear more from the defence. So th- some of the things that, I'm g- that are being sent to me here, um, that the film is quite pretentious. It's got this like messianic element. Gav was talking about creators before. Uh, so Ridley Scott may have, I think as Alex put it, embarked on an epic journey through time and space up his own ass. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a really nice way to put it. Which, you know... I, Ridley Scott has been known to do. Um, so it, it, there's some concern here. You know, I like the nostalgia elements that it feels like he brought back from the original Alien films, but some of the new elements that he's brought in, uh, they're starting to shake the foundations of what could be a good film here. What do you think, Joel? Um, it, yeah, I mean, Alex isn't wrong. Like, that character David is pretentious, but I think he's, you know, purposely so. Like, it, it's kind of like a whole different take on, you know, his views on creation and that type of thing about... You know, he's trying to use humans as experiments in terms of like creating new versions of Xenomorphs and things like that. So I think he's been stuck on that planet. Well, the, that version of him has been stuck on that planet for like, I think it's 10 years or something like that. And so obviously, like, he's had a lot of time to just kind of drive himself, you know, a little bit mad. Like, you, you can see in Prometheus kind of like the seeds that are being planted within him like his hatreds of of humans and that type of thing. And obviously just being left on that planet for a while, you, you know, that that's just grown within him. So I think like a lot of the stuff he says is pretentious, but it, it is, you know, on purpose. I don't think it's, it's Ridley Scott just, just being preachy. But one of the things I did really enjoy about the film is like my favorite of the Aliens franchise has always been like Aliens, Alien 2, um, just because I like, the whole atmosphere, you know, the feeling of dread, it's its really kind of dark and claustrophobic. Um, and obviously the aliens in that film are a lot more kind of, you know, menacing than any of the other films, I would say. And I think that this film is the closest to that film. There are like kind of a lot of darker sequences, kind of claustrophobic sequences within this. Um, and a lot of the kind of, you know, deaths and violent scenes like that you would maybe see in Aliens or in this film as well, but the more inventive, obviously CGI and things like that has moved on as, as, you know, horror and action and that type of thing. And it really shows in this film, like a lot of the death sequences are fantastic. They're, they're not just like kind of, you know, a guy walking up and getting his face bit out by a xenomorph as used to be back in the day. You know, they are actually quite creative and the, the, the graphic violence on the screen, I, I would say like, isn't overdone either, which I think is quite a um, difficult thing to do in this day and age. You know, I, I've said many times in this podcast, I'm not a massive fan of like 
the overuse of violence and gore and blood and that type of stuff. And I think like Ridley Scott gets it pretty much spot on in this film. I would say it's it's not like so in your face that you don't want to look at it type of thing. Um, so you know, all, all in all, I think if you're a fan of Aliens, it's more of kind of like a return to form. I would say after Prometheus. Um, I'm laughing because of that thought. He, <laughs> he literally couldn't finish that thought. He got so far through his argument <laughs> and he got right up until saying, actually saying the words Prometheus. <laughs> he couldn't fucking say it. <laughs> it's the that makes me laugh. It's not this film. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll just stop there. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Okay, so I've got. I've got some ideas forming here about, you know, the, the, the general structure of the film, what this story is, um, how good a job Ridley Scott has done, you know, bringing his vision back to life and, you know, keeping this going uh, for another installment. But I want to hear about these new characters, because obviously I'm, I'm familiar with David from Prometheus. I want to hear more about the new cast. I presume they are all new. Let's face it, people, people don't tend to survive the Alien franchise long enough to do multiple films. So how are they? I've heard varying, varying things before. Some saying they're forgettable. Some saying it's a solid cast. Some saying, you know, they're plausible characters. They're well-written. Who, uh, who wants to enlighten me on the, uh, the cast and characters here? I wouldn't mind letting you know that if you remember about uh, your, your, I think it was Alex's good mate, Billy, Billy Crudup. This was a Billy fuck up, without doubt. He shouldn't have accepted this. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle of Billy Crudup's career that you're shitting on that day. <laughs> I, I will say, I've got to be honest with you, since I've, since I've been watching the morning show, I actually have a newfound appreciation for little Billy fuck up. You know, it's actually a very dark <laughs> If, if people don't know what we're on about, this is uh, harken back to a quiz that Alex did for us after Watchmen, I think. Watchmen. It was Watchmen, yeah. Yeah, yeah called Billy Crudup cool. or Billy Fuck Up. Uh, about... And no one, uh, after about two two questions, I realised no one knew who Billy Crudup was. <laughs> and I'd, written, <laughs> I'd written 15 questions <laughs> and it was going to be a long segment. Yeah. What I remember was literally the first question was name another Billy Crudup film. And <laughs> yeah. none of us <laughs> Oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> right, uh, I, I will say like as Kels Kelsey, I massively uh, disagree with what Alex was saying. I like how this film focused on a new type of character. So we've seen aliens interacting with marines, scientists, space pirates, as in Alien Four. Now with this film, this is like couples only colonists. So no real experience of like fighting. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> but, 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 possibly ran out of ideas let me finish my fucking door rude how rude tinder in space it's like the sims in space now so what alex was saying before right i'll say one thing that you can't get away from here it happens in every alien movie and it happens in every movie that's like Alien, is that there will always be an abundance of characters who are just in the film to be brutally murdered by Alien or Aliens, whatever. You know, it happens in everything. Aliens, Joel mentioned before, or Alex, with their, their favourite Alien film, it happens in that, you know, there's about 15 different characters, and I think only, like, two of them have, like, character arcs. The rest of them are there just to be murdered. Now, 
I ha, by having the this group of people being like couples who were all you know going into space to start up a new world, I found it a simple yet effective way for us to care a little bit about them. You know, when we see how their deaths affect the other characters, we are much more affected by them ourselves. You know, so I think that make that makes sense because you know it's a case of like that that is just something about them. We know that they're not just a nameless character. They've got a family. They've got a life that they were going to build, and now that's been taken away from them by by an alien. I also liked how the film featured a gay couple as well. Although you know it could have been much more prominently featured, in my opinion. Right from the offset of this film, another thing that it does, harken back to sort of the classic horrors of Alfred Hitchcock, is we lose the captain, uh, which I think was a, a bit like, oh, oh God, you know, like it's it was played by James Franco, probably like the most well-known character or actor, sorry, within the cast, dies within the first three minutes. I think it would have been much more impactful if James Franco would have received top billing. So it would have said Alien Covenant starring James Franco and then it happens and you're like, holy shit, James Franco's dead. But I, for one, enjoyed seeing James Franco burn to death in a pod. (laughs) 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 Sorry. So for legal reasons, I must say James Franco's character. Um, As as Gav said, there, there there are some positives to the film. That's, you know, that's not, uh, <laughs> it's not detract from that. But, but the thing is, but so from there, after James Franco's character dies, we're put in the hands of the second in command, Christopher, played by podcast favourite Billy Crudup, who is portrayed as lacking confidence initially. He's the one that makes the big decision to check out the distress signal, but it ultimately costs the lives of everyone on board. The character could have been a little bit stronger, but Crudup was absolutely brilliant. As you said, Dave, yourself, he is a very, very good actor and he's very good in this role. The real lead is Catherine Waterson's Daniels, whose partner was Captain James Franco. She goes through some great growth as a character, going from initially this very uncertain uh, person who's struggling with grief to eventually saving the day uh, temporarily and going one-on-one with an alien, a facehugger, an android, and then another alien. You know, she's an absolute badass in this film. And speaking of androids, Michael Fassbender does a fantastic job here of playing two separate but very similar androids. You know, it must have been a very difficult task for him to play two <laughs> androids that are vastly different. But he's able to layer the characters with nuances which clearly separate them. And then the ensemble cast is rounded out with some great actors like Danny McBride, Damien Bashir, and Carmen Ajogo, uh, who all deliver great and very well-rounded performances. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Alex, I saw your hand was up. I take it you... You disagree? I simply just don't think that's telling the truth, to be honest. I, I, I do I do accuse him of lying there. Are you saying so. that you didn't enjoy <laughs> see James Franco bearing up? <laughs> well, no, come on. That's not fair. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't <laughs> enjoy it, but I, I, I didn't care. Like, I didn't even know it was him because you just have a quick shot of him in the tank and, you know, you're like, oh, you know, who's that? He's got a beard. And then he burns alive and you're like, right, okay, that's someone who's burnt alive. And then you see a photo later and you're like, you look at the photo and you're like, is that fucking James Franco? Like, why, 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 why is that James Franco? So you just like the guy who just burned in the capsule. That's James Franco, and you're just like, okay, fine, fine, carry on. Is he going to come back in a flashback later? No, he's not coming back. That's just James Franco gone. So if there was any impact of thinking James Franco was going to be in it, I didn't know he was in it, and when he died, I didn't know it was him when he died. So it was a little bit lost. Do you know what I mean? This is, uh, this is not Martin Landau in Sleepy out, Hollow. Did you not rewind it and watch it again? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, come on. Don't, let's not judge. Um, Billy, you know, th- there's a bit later, like Billy Crudup takes over and I do like Billy Crudup, but 
he, he, you know, he has a moment where he goes, you know, people don't trust me because of my faith. And you're a bit like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with that later. Nothing. They don't do anything with that later. About two thirds of the way through the film, he gets the faith. He literally like goes, uh, David goes like, don't go near the, you know, look inside the egg. And, you know, he looks inside the egg and he gets a face hugger and sweet. Oh, I didn't. He did. He didn't. He did. Oh, he did. What an idiot. He did it. So there's the, the interesting things that are meant to happen with the, the, the film is setting up itself with these characters do not happen. Um, she has no, the main, the main character has no character arc. She doesn't go from uncertain. She goes from grief to being completely certain to being a badass and just being able to do things, you know, and, and I don't think there's any character arc to her whatsoever. And the rest of them are just fodder. Gav's saying that every alien film, well, we've had a lot now and maybe, maybe enough is enough. Maybe watching a cast of characters slowly get decimated just doesn't have the same impact. Sit five or six films. It didn't have it in Prometheus. And it's less so in Alien Covenant. So maybe the time, maybe the idea is to do an alien story where you're not following that really tired thing. And you know, there's a bit where one of the characters just starts making these ludicrously bad sit. Like she's she's uh, they they pull someone back who's um got like infected, and then she for no reason at all locks someone in with the infected man, refuses to let her out. Then she goes to get a gun, and it's just honestly, it's like funny almost how all of her bad decisions end up. She ends up just firing a gun into into basically exploding the ship it's just like why is this happening who is she i didn't know who she was it was only later on when danny mcbride is like is my wife there i'm like oh with that oh that was his wife you know and i was watching it i didn't have my phone up you know so it's very hard for these characters to have impactful you know gav's saying they've got impactful stories because they're partners i didn't know who they were there was no there was no setup i didn't know they were even married couples in space so I, I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna off people like we're talking about aliens i did care when those characters were dying and in alien covenant i didn't even know who the characters were so when they were killed sometimes i'd just be like where's that <coughs> scottish guy been he hasn't been in it for a while and it's like oh he must he must have died somewhere along the way and you know whatever i didn't even know who he was so it's an incredibly poor film in every way, and the characters, especially, I would say, are, are horrendous. Hey, this is getting sounded like pretty damning stuff. Austin or Joel, it's, either it's, of you want to jump in on this? Damning because Alex have. wasn't paying attention and watching it properly. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I would love to jump in, and again, bearing back that my references are Alien, and then this, right? So they are worlds apart, fucking worlds apart. The, the sort of characters that we're dealing with they're just a million miles away you couldn't even imagine them in alien and the way the aliens behave and the fighting it's not the same film they are not the same even the same genre you know essentially so there's a bit of the suspense there's a bit of the scariness a bit of the the murk like i said earlier but it is not the same film and they're not part of the same world whatsoever and i think that's something to to be said you know it is the end of a franchise and a bit of a cash grab it could have been some other it could have just been something else altogether the alien is kind of tacked on i think what we can say is that there's definitely like there's a value in the novelty of this film without doubt but it's that's pretty much all it is it's a novel ending to to the story and it's a little bit disappointing in the way they, they've taken away the mystery of the alien from Alien 1 and Aliens. Uh, that, that's, my, that's what I can really take away is that I'm kind of glad that I've not 
being with them on this journey the entire way because I would be incredibly disappointed otherwise. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and Joel, I'd like to get your thoughts on on what you've heard. Yeah, uh, what I'm going to say, Dave, is nothing in my own words because <laughs> a, a little man called Roger Ebert can say oh. that. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. Hang remember, on a minute. When did Roger Ebert Dave. die? Uh, the in spirit, the Alex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, way before Alien Covenant came out. <laughs> from his seat in heaven. Uh, so on, on RogerEbert.com, um so just speaking about the characters they say that they love it so much because this is a quote it includes a canon for the sameness in the minor characters so you know people who enjoy aliens enjoy seeing the characters just getting minced up and that is one of the reasons why you watch that film you don't go into like friday the 13th and go oh shit you know i, I really really wanted that character development there when somebody like dies getting impaled while they're shagging or something that is not what the film is about you know there are characters in in (laughs) (laughs) there are characters in these films that are literally there just to die and you know although you know it is maybe a tired formula a lot of people still enjoy that and there's definitely a market for it but what i would say myself is that a lot of the performances are, are really really good you know michael fassbender gav touched on it he's playing two separate characters Although he does come across as like preachy and stuff, it is definitely on purpose and his performance is very good. But uh, Catherine Waterson as Daniels, I also thought was was excellent. And I think, you know, that that's pretty much a given for that for this film. Whether you kind of agree that she goes on a journey or not, you know, her performance and her portrayal of the character, I think, is very good. Um, everyone else are mostly canon fodder and they do a, a good kind of job of dying yeah they do a good job of dying you know it's it's not just like the kind of 70s or 80s gimmick as you know i mentioned like friday the 13th where the acting is is genuinely terrible as well you know they're all acted well um so all in all i would say that you know the acting and the cast here is is very good i would definitely give it four out of five stars like (laughs) rogerweaver.com thank you thank you very much and i like how you Brought the uh, the words of the late Roger Ebert <laughs> to yeah. this fucker, the man who died before the film even came out. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you might have some input from previous members of the Alien franchise. What did Ian Holm, Harry Dean Stanton, <laughs> and Pete Postlethwaite and Bill Paxton think of it? They all loved it. <laughs> of course they did. Of course they did. Well, thank you very much, gents. Um, I've got a lot to consider. This is actually uh, an awful lot of notes. That I have to consider here. Uh, has anyone got anything they'd like to add? Any more points that they think might sway me either way? Uh, oh, maybe Gav. Maybe closed closing arguments. You can, yeah, by all means, you can do some closing arguments. So, uh, sorry, I've just run over Mike's toe. Um, <laughs> but, so, one of the biggest downfalls of Prometheus was this uh, that that this sort of exploration of like the alien mythos overwhelmed the film. And uh, fair, you had to basically watch further cuts of the film or tie-ins or director's cuts or whatever to realize what the fuck was going on. Here in this film, the explanations are a lot more defined. The story, as Joel was saying, is much more familiar and the characters are more well-written. It's a familiar story with familiar characters and some audience-pleasing reintroductions of characters like Mother and the Xenomorph. But similar to Star Wars The Force Awakens or Blade Runner 2049, it takes something that is familiar to us and builds upon that. 
We remember why we fell in love with Alien in the first place, by being placed in a familiar scenario before all of the tension is ramped up and all of the characters meet a gruesome fate. After watching Prometheus, it's like approaching an alien egg, expecting for a facehugger to burst out and attack you. But instead, you're welcomed by a big pair of warm, loving arms, giving you a nice, friendly hug. I think Finally. even more disturbing, I think. Two arms coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it's... they were my arms. It's, I mean, face, facehugger itself. Facehugger itself sounds quite generous, doesn't it? It's quite a nice, like, face cuddler. This is an old friend. I just don't remember the last time we had an analogy that was about opening something that didn't end up with it being shit. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, it's refreshing. Yeah. I will say here, Mike's just pointed out something uh, in my notes. I must have been thinking about Alex when I, when I wrote it because I've written down Bold Runner 2049. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Oh, I did do 10K recently, to be honest. Run, yeah. Wait, <laughs> still doing them in 2049, man. Yeah, I'll be doing well. I'll be doing well. Uh, has anyone else got any closing arguments they'd like to give? Any further points? Do you just want just, to insult Gav for a bit? I don't know. It's just, Dave, they made a sequel to Prometheus, and this film is the sequel to Prometheus. And just, they didn't they didn't turn the ship around. Do you know what I mean? No, I hope I don't think any of the arguments from the defence has, has made it seem like the Titanic that was... Prometheus has been brought up from the bottom of the ocean. Do you know what I mean? It, it, why do it? Just do something else. It's just horrendous, Prometheus. And to make a sequel is just baffling. And it does follow on. If you watch these two films, they, they are very much of a level. I, I, you, you should put it right down there with Prometheus. Well, we probably put it on a hit list. <laughs> I will say that it might not be Titanic, but it's almost like Under Siege. It's very familiar. But not quite the it's, I, I really like Under Siege. <laughs> me too. It's, it's almost lazy. That's how familiar it is. And when I say almost, I mean very lazy. I was so. going to say, but not quite. Almost lazy, but not quite. Yeah, <laughs> no. I was being, being incredibly polite about it, but yeah, no, it's... Um, <laughs> it's just lazy writing you know it's bad news from the start and then it's really long it's a long film about bad news nobody wants that <laughs> good fair point yeah the, the man speaks sense and joel any any closing sentences or remarks uh ridley scott kind of recently criticized marvel didn't he, he said that they're just kind of regurgitating the same old shite <laughs> so you really would... really, so... Fucking really. <laughs> he, did, he did yeah so you would think that he wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> so I'll just leave that remark with you. I'll let you take what you will from that. <laughs> Were you, uh, you Johnny Cochran in a previous life, John? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, Mike, any thoughts on this? I just really enjoy being this side where I can see your face expressions as you're making your arguments. <laughs> they get impassioned, don't they? Information. <laughs> they get impassioned for sure. Uh, okay, I got, I got plenty of information that I can consider. Has someone got anything to kill some time? I'm going to say maybe a quiz. I do. I have a nice quiz here. I'm, I'm going to move over to a different Thanks. screen. Okay. Thank God. I thought it was going to be me. And I told you. <laughs> <laughs> you can blag an argument, but can you blag a quiz? <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before they that Shark Discovery Channel one. That was a good quiz in the end. It was. It was. It actually was. Like you can black a quiz. So um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna move over to another screen so that Mike has got an opportunity to take part in this quiz as well. And this is a quiz in honor of our good friend Alex. And it's a quiz called uh, Billy Crudup or Billy Fuck Up Two. Oh, hey. oh Billy Bugaloo. <laughs> Billy Bugaloo. Oh, thanks, man. It was uh, a good you idea. You know, like listening back what? to. No, I was going to say listening back to Alex's quiz. I think that we would all stand a much better chance of uh, of doing a Billy Bud- a Billy Crudup quiz now because since then we've also done um, Big Fish as well and. Uh, <laughs> And this film, which is two more Billy Crudup films. <laughs> I mean, it, it says more about us than it does Billy Crudup, I'm going to say. I know, I know. Poor Billy. Right. Okay. So question number one. Okay. Genuinely about Billy Crudup again, because I might go with it. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So question number one. Right. Mike, and this one's for you as well. Billy Boy made an uncredited appearance as the imprisoned father of a superhero in which film? Uh no. Uh, it was in um, the Justice League, wasn't it? Wasn't he like it was. Barry Allen's dad or something? It was. He was Barry Allen's dad. Uh, additional point, Joel. What was his name? Was... Um, Mr. Allen. Well done. Point to Joel. It was Mr. <laughs> Allen. <laughs> Barry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so question number two. Big Bill made another uncredited appearance in the 2012 sci-fi comedy The Watch. But which British comedian starred as one of the Neighbourhood Watch members? Ah, Richard Ayoade. Richard Ayoade, well done, that is correct. <clears throat> okay, number three. Billy Goat Gruff appeared as Eric McLeish in the fantastic drama Spotlight based on the uncovering of a massive child molestation cover-up within the oh, Catholic shit, Church. Yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just pausing for emphasis. All oh, um, right. <laughs> Which paper was responsible for the investigation? Oh. Alex. Boston Globe. Well done, yes. yes. Alex, Boston well done. Globe. You are bossing this Billy Crudup round. Okay. I know what this Billy Crudup. <laughs> <laughs> right. Number four. Billy Jean played another journalist in the 2016 biopic of Jacqueline Kennedy, Jackie. But which actress played the lead role? Ah. Alex. Natalie Portman. Oh, yes. Wow. Well done, man. You're Fucking knows his Billy Crudup facts, doesn't he? I know my Portman as well. Okay, number six. <laughs> Barnacle Bill marked one of the earliest film appearances with 1996's Sleepers. Which acting great slash movie connection game slash sometime phone salesman appeared? Oh, <laughs> Alex? Kevin Bacon. Oh, it was oh, Kevin Bacon, yes, yes. Um, okay. I think I would have got that. Right, it's Sorry, a, little, it? <laughs> a little bit more difficult question here. Wild Bill played Russell Hammond in the 2000 film Almost Famous about a young boy whose first interviewing gig is touring with a rock band. But what was the name of that rock band? Oh, fuck. Oh. Uh... No. Um... I, no. I can always make a Rolling Stone, but that's the magazine, isn't it? Right, right okay. I'll make a very, very quick off the top joke about this it's almost like um jesus doing a parlor trick at a bar what he would say if it went wrong <laughs> it's, i mean, no, i remember it's still awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow 
Wow. <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Bill. The way you tell them. Sorry, my timing was off. <laughs> Bill, Bill Without Ben was cast as Will Bloom in Tim Burton's Big Fish. But which actors played the young and old versions of that character's father? Bam. 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 And Al... Albert Finney. Yeah. Yes, well done, Mike. Hey. Two points for Mike. Okay. And finally, our last question. Bill, please, also appeared in another film <laughs> you have put on trial. 2009's Watchmen. The question is, is there or is there not a version somewhere that shows Dr. Manhattan's Todger? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, point to Alex and Mike there. Yes, there is. There is a version in which uh, we see blue hanging dong. Todger cut. <laughs> all, all this talk about Snyder cut of Justice League. When are we going to get... <laughs> Doctor Manhattan penis cut of, of Watchmen. <laughs> Love a bit of penis in the DC world, don't we? An uncut gem. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Um, Alex has fucking ran away with that one, and I think as as a little gift, I think we're going to give some incentive for the quizzes going forward. I think we're going to send Alex Billy Crudup's best ever film on DVD. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to tell you what it is until it arrives. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> okay, Gav, thank you very much for that. Uh, it's good to see, that was a much more, I think we had a better response to, to Billy Crudup this time around. I feel we've learned a lot we more do. about Billy Crudup over I feel the like years. Alex introduced us to Billy Crudup, and since then we've done a lot of learning. You're welcome, yeah. guys. You're and welcome. I, I, for one, I, for one, I'm, I'm pleased to know more. <laughs> uh, I've also had some time to consider the film and yeah it's, it, it sounds like an interesting one you know the plot does sound a little recycled uh, from previous installments of the Alien franchise but you know I was thinking nothing has more mass appeal than a Greatest Hits compilation right you know you're, you're going to reach a, a far-ranging group of people and people who maybe didn't like elements of a previous album or film installment might enjoy this this sort of uh, mashing of all these genres and bringing it all back for nostalgia purposes that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, everyone agreed that the film looked good. You know, the aesthetics were uh, drew a lot of favorable, favorable comparisons to the original films. I remember I was a big fan of uh, the work that Geiger did on this. He was the artist who designed a lot of the sets and the creatures. A lot of talks about how the aesthetics hark back to those original films. And in terms of the score, at least, it, it certainly sounds good. Elements of the script... It seems okay. You know, Gav made some good points about the plausibility elements. Although people said, you know, realism goes out the window, Gav kind of brought me back on that one. He says there is a human element of these characters' decisions, and it does feel plausible. Um, it sounded like a good cast as well. You know, we talked about, I, I understand the need for cannon fodder, especially in a film like this where you're doing sort of a sci-fi horror. Let's not forget, you know, the alien films were essentially horror. There are always cannon fodder in these things. You know, there's in action films and horror films, you need some characters around that are just there to, to die, essentially. And when you've got, you know, Damien Bashir, Danny McBride, Carmen Jogo in the supporting cast, this sounds like, you know, some of the best cannon fodder you can find out there, although it does feel a little bit like you're making a casserole with Wagyu beef, maybe. Uh, and on that note, you know, bringing in James Franco so to just, like, analogy. burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, once you try Wagyu beef, man, you'll never make casseroles with it again. But um, I do, it does sound to me like James Franco's death was kind of wasted. That could have been impactful. And it feels like, yeah, they kind of missed trick. 
with that one. And they also feel to have missed the boat on the uh, the couples thing. That, that could have been interesting. I know we called it Tinder in space. I'm like Love Island in space to me. <laughs> but if you don't, if you forget who's coupled up with who, you lose that impact that you have, that emotional connection that you might have had by seeing these characters get bumped off and become cannon fodder. The leads sound good. I don't think anyone had any criticisms of uh, Catherine Watson or Michael Fassbender. Although they, they a few criticisms of his character being pretentious. His character always was, though. I'm thinking about to David in Prometheus. And yeah, he was a bit tenacious, uh, a bit tenacious, yeah, pretentious. Um, and also, he was also bordering on psychotic. I know he's an android, but I remember the parasite. He, he sneaks into that guy's, is it drink or something? Either way, he kind of sneaks a parasite into him and ends up killing him that way. David always had this potential to be, you know, psychotic for an android and it's nice to see that this character is developing and they're kind of exploring that further. The big thing that I came to on this was what was something that Austin mentioned. And he's talking about the origins of Alien. Now, when Alien came out, there was such mystery about the origin of the creatures, where they came from. And people wanted answers. People definitely wanted answers. For years, since the Alien franchise has been going, fans always want to, get, want to know more. They want to know where this creature came from. What are its origins? Why did it, how did it come into being? Why did it come into being? Um, and people are always going to ask those questions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you as the creator should give them answers. Sometimes the less you know, the happier you are. And I wonder if Ridley Scott has tried to answer some of those questions as he did with Prometheus and he's led people down a path that they actually didn't want to know. They were happier imagining what was at the end of this path rather than actually seeing it up close. And that's what concerns me about this film. And this is just, this is something I can't move past. And ultimately with all that in mind, I'm going to put this film on the shit list. On the basis that I don't think it should have been made. Seventy-five <laughs> percent of the films we've done will probably be on the show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very well summarised once again, Dave, with a very scathing <laughs> final sentence there. Um, okay, so, 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 genuine thoughts. Uh, I'm going to start with Alex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not too much to add, really. It's a horrendous film, Dave. You won't be uh, you won't be surprised. That you know, you won't change your mind, I don't think. Um, characters just when you talk about David, there just made me think that he's just doing stuff because it drives the plot forward. Do you know what I mean? He's just doing any old shit and then making some sort of pretentious comment like it's <coughs> like it's not just a way of making things happen in the film. Do you know what I mean? It, it's just a really appalling film. It's not as bad as Prometheus, and I think that's what that's the only thing you can say is as a sequel, it's not as bad, but it's still an appalling film. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, Aussie, as, as the co-prosecution yeah, no, I, I genuinely didn't really enjoy it, but I did I did agree with you on a few points. I think it, it is well shot. You know, it's obviously expensive and it's along the line. You know, it's definitely a Hollywood blockbuster, but for me, it's not, it's not my type of film anyway. And knowing what I knew of Alien against that, it was just, it's not, it's not at all the same franchise, so. Okay, thank you very much, Ozzy. Joel, um, did you like it? Uh, <laughs> I remember watching it for the first time and thinking it was absolute shit. I didn't like hate it as much the second time. Don't think it's as bad as Alex makes out, or at least you know that was my opinion. But uh, it's definitely on the right list. Like, I think he's just gone far too far down the rabbit hole. He's just mined too much shit now. 
that he he just needs to stop, just kind of cut his losses and say, yeah, fucked it. Got the visual imagery. <laughs> Ridley Scott in a, in a shit mind. I, I just like, you know, the Paramount or whatever studios bringing Ridley in and sitting him down for lunch and just saying, like, look, guys, I'm, I fucked it, didn't I, guys? Come on. Come on, guys. And everyone just being like, yeah, yeah, you fucked it, Ridley. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, you, you fucked it big time. Anyway, I have a donut and we'll see you later, Ridley. We, we won't be making the next film. So you're on Gladiator 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. That's on. Don't worry. All I'm picturing is like, you know, Tom Hanks at the end of The Babes, where he's just in that guy's cellar and he's just dug that massive hole. It's just like full of sludge and shit. And he's just like keeps on fucking digging and digging. And then he finally finds a gas main and blows it up. I feel like that's going to happen if they make Prometheus 3. Yeah, I, I, I was lying. Um, uh, maybe not as much as 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 I thought I would be when I first watched this film. It was on like a, a nine hour flight back. It was at the end of a nine hour flight, and I, I was like, "Fucking hell, what is this shit?" I was like, it, "Like <laughs> Ridley Scott has finally listened to the film." Uh, sorry, Ridley Scott has finally listened to the to the audience and the critics here. What we've been clambering for all these years is like this steamy porky style sex romp in a shower with an alien. You oh know, God! Yeah, <laughs> there is that scene, and you're like, "When that happens?" Why did no one mention that in their article? <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is this about? But like, I think it's not as bad as I remember it. And it does do a good job of trying to rectify the shit stain that was Prometheus. But it, you're just left with even more questions. Like I was watching this and I was like, I don't understand. Everything that we've been told in the first three aliens is just, is, is it complete shit? I don't know. I mean, how long does it take for somebody to be... Um, impregnated by a facehugger you know how long is the incubation period how long does it take for uh, you know an alien to burst out your chest you know how do people get infected in the first place is it via a, a black goo is it via breathing in sort of um you know to- toxins it, is it... it's just whatever the fuck they it, decided to write on the page a little bit know? fucking all over the place and i feel bad on numi repass who had been brought back to it and i think that she'd even said hey i'm gonna return for the second one only to be just like a fucking head on a table for like 20 seconds like i thought that was a model and then i saw she was actually in the film and it's like why (laughs) awful absolutely awful anyway yeah so um uh, how lower than our previous film on trial which was it's lower let's be honest much lower uh, well, uh, so it's 62. House of Gucci had 62 and 83 critical and audience, respectively. So you reckon both lower? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, critical is slightly higher, 65%. Ooh. But uh, audience scores much lower. Yeah, 55% there. So yeah, not That's that. weird. Normally, normally you don't see it that way. The fans must really fucking hate this one because normally you'd think the alien, you know, if it's got a big fan base, you'd think it would be that bump it up a bit. Yeah, but um, but but not. <laughs> but, but no, it didn't. Uh, okay, so uh, that's it. We've come to the the end of this episode. Mike, anything else that you want to add in? I just don't think the life cycle of the alien makes much sense. Why would you have a separate alien impregnate someone to produce that alien in the first place? You know, right, just come out the egg. Just come out the yeah, fucking just egg. Come out the egg. <laughs> huge waste of biomass <laughs> the man makes sense wait a minute <laughs> get, get, get Ridley Scott back in get, uh, tell us to bring that donut back 
Uh, okay so yeah thank you everyone for all of your arguments thoroughly enjoyed uh, this episode today thank you for everyone who's listened to this episode we really do appreciate all of you listening to our episodes if you want more films on trial content check out films on trial.co.uk check us out on any streaming platform as well check us out on social media at film trials on twitter and films on trial on everything else so that is it what have we learned today well hopefully we've all learned about more billy crudup films i think that's the most important thing we're now able to identify several films that billy crudup was in and isn't that the most important thing um also we've learned that alien covenant is a shit And we're going to be continuing our Ridley Scott season in two weeks' time with Gladiator. Goodbye. Well, on that note, guys, I'm actually going to have to to head off. But, like, I I think we've basically chosen a Vinnie Jones season. We haven't. Let's go away and try and change our minds. Yeah. Oh, God. Can you imagine if you told Joel we're doing Vinnie Jones season? X-Men Last Stand. (laughs) (laughs) X-Men Last Stand? That is a good one to do. Yeah, I think that is a good one to do. I mean, we could always do, like... uh, There's other stuff. We, we could go on. Shit, we, he's literally leaves <laughs> ten minutes later. We're like, we're doing a mini joke. We're all talking as each other into doing a mini jokes. I you probably I prefer fucking Dennis Leary. I think the takeaway is we're just we're just <laughs> casting seeds, seeing where where plants grow.